Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Sounds good. Hello, welcome to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, where we look through the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows, and the cream middles of The Simpsons seasons 1 to 12 through random episode generation. I am your host as always, Tyler McRae, and um, we've got a back, folks. Guess who's back? Elsa's back. Tell a friend. Ah, oh, you get it, you get it, you get the reference there, it's fine. We'll go through that half-baked effort. Ellis, how the hell are we doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you for having me back. Um, I didn't expect to be back so soon. Yeah, there we are. Um, well, I've been Cal's been dealing with some stuff there, and it's always good to have a little bit of a rotation in the mix there. I think of yourself as a nicer uh, impact sub, a perfect dirt cow, if you will. And the episode we're going to be reviewing today is Homer vs. Patty and Selma from Season 6, Episode 17. Directed by Mark Kirkland and written by Brent Forrester with the original air date being February the 26th, 1995. And the couch gag being the family are beamed onto the couch, much like Scotty beamed them up in Star Trek. Uh, Ellis, what are your initial thoughts of this episode or any fond memories of this? Um, this was one that I genuinely had to watch rewatch a few times when you told me that this was going to be the episode because I could remember the storyline but I couldn't really remember any of the gags or anything it was for me it was quite a forgettable episode I knew I remembered it but I couldn't pinpoint anything particularly about it that I remembered other than like the main storyline so it was quite interesting when you said, oh yeah, we're going to be doing this one, because it was it was quite a bit of a challenge for me. Oh yeah, I mean, I think I was very much the same, having watched it when I was younger. I definitely remember uh, Homer getting into money troubles and the IOU, but the Bart doing ballet, B-plot, I never connected it with this episode. Not saying that it's not got its charm, but it doesn't seem... I'd never match it up with that uh, A story, with this B story for episodes. Yeah, this was a B story that I just genuinely didn't care for. It just, it didn't, I don't feel like it added anything to it, and it was just kind of there. And we open up the episode with Homer celebrating. He's got uh, money to burn, or singe anyway, you know. He's not that much of a goofball, he's not rolling around in it, and you get to see him put his singe dollar back in with many other dollars, so Lenny question him. Oh, how come you've got such good fortune now? And Homer's very confident. You know, Take a guess. Barney being uh, surprisingly astute, you know, oh, I don't know, pumpkins? Yeah, it's right, Barney. <laughs> it's like going up to a friend and you've got something new about yourself and you ask, you know, oh, take a guess. And they get it in one, like, oh, is it a haircut? Yeah, Frank has a haircut, fine. What did you think of this opening, Ellis? I know, the disappointment in Homer's face was quite entertaining, but it's so entertaining as well the fact that that was Barney's first guess like out of anything he could have guessed it was pumpkins. Homer has been well he thinks it's smart he has invested in pumpkins because they've been you know creeping up and selling like hotcakes the whole of October but he thinks you know January bang that's when he's going to cash in there's a big reveal of a happy Halloween poster in a Moe's bar but he seems to celebrate he's got his cigars and then it cuts to I think, uh, I want to say it's late November and he's brought his pumpkins and they're completely rotted out and his stockbroker's away, you know, oh, you dumb ape, you know, you've got to sell your Halloween shares before. You've got to sell your pumpkin shares before Halloween, before. But it's fine. Um, you know, Homer's, Homer's resilient here, you know, he'll sell, he'll sell one of his kidneys. You know, he can just get by with one here. It was, his, I mean, it was his liver. Oh, it was his liver. Yes, you're right. Oh, of course, that makes a lot more sense, you know. It can get by with, you know, just, just one liver here. I mean, this is already a welcome start for me. Um, and I think throughout this episode here, particularly with this A-plot, um, Ellis, I can't really think of a bad moment or a moment where I didn't laugh. It's very consistent. Homer's dejected. Um, he comes back to the house. You know, how is he going to recoup all of his um, terrible shares and his big loss here? And he thinks he sees the house smoking. So, you know, oh, house is on fire. Insurance to the rescue. Here we go. So comes in, um, ready to recoup and getting on the action. But um, we see Patty and Selma. Now, um, for me, you talk about tertiary characters, you talk about minor characters. Um, you know, people get have their favourites like Skinner, Burns, controversial, I suppose now, Apu, with like characters that can really uplift scenes. But I feel Patty and Selma doesn't get talked about a lot as like, genuinely well-written and funny characters here, Ellis. Yeah, for me, Patty and Selma were always kind of so 
they were written as such dislikable characters for me. Um, I don't know what it was about them. I think the voice always kind of makes me kind of choke at the back of my throat a little bit. <laughs> um, but for me, they were just kind of just so dislikable that they they've got their funny moments, but very very occasional funny moments. Now I'll agree with you that I used to detest them and I thought oh they're they're really evil um you know when I first watched it till I would say maybe 13 14 but since I've become an adult I can appreciate like oh they're just overly villainous I find them more as like panto villains I mean growing up I didn't have I had a great auntie she wasn't wasn't like Patty or Selma but she had the same raspy smoker's voice here so I'm always reminded of my great auntie Barbara here as well um, can you do an impression of either Patty or Selma? No, I definitely can't. And as for someone who's been smoking for 10 years, I um, I haven't quite got that gravel in my voice as of yet. And I'm praying to God, actually, that I don't turn out to be them because God knows that my attitude towards other people is already kind of on the Patty and Selma wavelength. I guess we'll give another 20 years, but um, I can never do a proper impression, but I could do the laugh. Um, I'll try a little snippet. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite good I think that's about as close as I can get for that impression there folk yeah come back to me in, in another 10-20 years and we'll see where I am on my Patty and Selma Homer you know this is the worst thing he wants to see after all this bad news is Patty and Selma and he sees Marge he's like you know we had an agreement your sisters don't come here after six and I stop eating your makeup <laughs> and <laughs> it's great and um I think, I believe it was um, Kirkman. Lipstick. Kirkman and Silverman were on here directing and doing art direction. That. Now, Silverman, he's the he's the daddy of Simpsons animation. Uh, how you can tell it's a Silverman episode is there's little twitches in the fingers or it's very sort of uh, free-flowing. It's very um, comedic. So that little quick turn, not quite to camera, but him just in the little sound effect of him wiping the yeah. lipstick off. Yeah, it's, um, it's lovely. Hello, Homer. We had a deal. Your sisters don't come here after six and I stop eating your lipstick. I think it really adds to it. I, it, it was, it's a small but subtle thing that just kind of, like you said, helps it flow. But Marge says, no, no, this is a happy. This is a, this is a special occasion. Patty and Selma have been promoted at the DMV. And you know, Patty and Selma out of the gate already, you know, yeah, you know, your wife has something to finally be proud of. You know, let her enjoy this one happy moment in her life. But, you know, Homer, unlike previous seasons, you know, he's not going to take it with gentle humour or civility, you know. Oh, it's time to take out the trash. But, you know, I'll have to, have to ask you to leave first. There's a lot of um, misdirects in this episode here as well, Ellis. I noticed that with the... Because you usually kind of associate time to take out the trash with kind of, you know you would expect him to throw them out, but for him to kind of turn around and just kind of, and first I'm going to have to ask you to leave. It, it felt like an odd joke, but it worked. Like, it didn't... I think if you know Homer's character in terms of he will not do anything, it kind of doesn't work, but the fact that it was very subtly in there kind of makes it work. As you say, it's a tiny bit out of character. Yeah, I would say so, because we all know Homer is like, he will do anything for anybody else to do the chore. So for him to kind of do the chore himself is very, I don't know. So he ends up turfing them out. This will not be uh, the last time he turfs Patty and Selma out here, folks. And I will say there's a lot of, um, I'd say physical comedy, but there's a lot of like physical violence in this episode. You know, Patty and Selma get yeeted out of the house later, they get ripped off the couch now. Bart, we'll save it right for the end folks, but Bart has to deal with his own big um, leap of faith, shall we say. There's a lot of violence, there's a lot of um, self-inflicted violence in here and general violence. Yeah, it is one of the more violent episodes. I mean, usually when it comes to the violence in The Simpsons, we're used to just a Bart and Homer kind of violence, but on this, on this episode, you see nothing between the two of them. There's very minimal interaction the violence is with everybody else i think it kind of i don't know if i see it working as well as the homer and bart kind of violence marge ends up coming outside where patty and selma have been chucked out and saying you know oh this isn't like homer he's actually sweet on the inside he's not this um petty and angry and i don't want to say it this early but i think this has to be my favorite moment my mvp moment of the show here ellis just the 
The no frills. Wrong! I'm sorry. Homer doesn't mean to be rude. He's just a very complicated man. Wrong! Yeah, I've got to admit that it's probably one of the moments in this episode that did actually really make me chuckle because I, I just, I don't understand it. He is that convinced and he believes that wholly in his got uncontrollable anger issues that I will... Um, I'll fuck myself up with this plate. It's perfect. Homer's ashamed, you know, the mortgage is overdue, he's lost all his shares, he is in a pit of despair. So how is he going to get out of this hole? He's got to think of some amazing invention, something that everyone can use. And we get a little fantasy sequence. He makes some, God, I'm not sure what you'd call it, it's some sort of gadget, some sort of gimmick, and everyone in America has this, even three or four of them, if this particular item in question. And what would you say this is in modern day compared to what they think it is in the episode. I was actually looking at the design that they kind of show you the little kind of glimpse of every now and then in the little cutscene and it looked like these little bouncy balls that we used to get like in school that had the little stoppers on them they were kind of like they kind of looked like little mines like little sea mines and you used to bounce them and like they had little studs on them I don't know I don't know whether that was just my school with its weird quirks but I definitely remember owning something like that as a child. Oh no, it's, um, I'd say it's mine in shape, but then you get to see, I don't know, a spring out of it, and then a couple of buttons. Um, I don't know, I'd probably link this to more of a smartphone with the description of everyone has it, and it fits in the palm of your hand. Yeah. Ah, you know what? Smartwatch. I'll link it to a smartwatch, because, um, yeah, I'd probably go with that for the size and the... What do you think this could have been in 1994 when they were making this? Mini Walkman. Ah, yes, perfect. Of course it would have been, yeah. Holds in your pocket, everyone has them. Because Apple was up and coming back in the 90s, they were starting to experiment a little bit more. So maybe an iPod shuffle. He's woke up from this uh, dream here, you know, the money problems are going to be solved there, but Marge questioned, oh, what are these money problems? But Homer just can't bring himself to admit he's uh, in the red, not to his Queen Marge, you know, and his little Princess Lisa and... Dear Rat forget, Boy. Dear Rat Boy. Bart resents that, but then goes to gnaw on the drywall like a madman. We talk about memes on this show all the time. I feel like it's... Um, it's not a very popular meme. No, it's not. I feel not. like it's... It'll be a, one in rotation every three months. I feel like it's more one of those ones that you understand more if you are a Simpsons fan. It's not really one that you'd use kind of if you wasn't, if that makes sense. It's very niche. Now we get to our B plot of the episode here, folks. Bart and Milhouse are walking to school. Milhouse is worried, you know, we don't want to be tardy here. We don't want to be truant because it's PE sign up day for international listeners. We've never had this here in the UK. We just got um, PE, what, twice a week? I don't know about you, Ellis. Yeah, and, just and we were randomly... told what we were going to do. I'm curious, yeah. what sport would you have picked if we had PE sign-up day? Oh, um, football, rugby, easily. I mean, I wasn't really that intimidated, and I generally like... <laughs> unlike a lot of uh, fans and subscribers of the podcast here, I was a fan of um, going to school and doing PE and exercising. So I'd probably oh rugby and football. Would you have selected uh, anything if forced, Ellis? I would have gone for rugby or hockey. Oh, I never had you as um, someone with hockey. Yeah, no, I, I actually quite like my violent sports, so it would have just been a reenactment of the episode where Bart versus Lisa in the on the hockey um, rink. You would have hacked the bone. Yep. But it gets uglier and uglier every year with um, the PE sign-up day. You know, all the sports are going quickly and... If Barton Millhouse don't hurry up, it's going to be TS for them. Cuts straight to Tethered Swimming. You think it's tough shit, but it's Tethered Swimming. And who's actually picked Tethered Swimming, Ellis? Oh, poor Ralph. I but don't it, feel right. Yeah, it doesn't feel right, does it, Ralph? Um, I, w I will say, this for me, doing screenwriting and thankfully managing to get breadcrumbs of stuff within the industry, to me this is just... A perfectly written joke as far as escalation. You got number one, ooh, are the kids actually mean and tough shit? Number two, cut to tethered swimming. Number three, oh, of course it's Ralph. It's a character we can totally see being blindsided into this. It's a perfect trio. Yeah, I think the whole TS part was really, really well played because it's kind of like, well, obviously it's a faux pas. Children swearing that that doesn't happen. So it kind of 
it gives you a little bit of a something, a little bit of a children don't say this. Homer, um, briefly, you know, he's trying to get money. So he's trying to get money from all sorts of sources here. Mo says he'll happily do it, but, you know, you've got no collateral, so I'm going to have to break your legs in advance. And as brutal as he is, he's very aware of um, protecting his own investments and, you know, insurance against himself and buying against the house, you know. Hey, do you know how loan shop works? Do you know how finance works? Come on, let's get away with this. I think in his situation, he kind of has to be with the amount that... Because you very, very rarely see them actually paying for anything in the bar, so I think he's probably very, a lot more money savvy. You don't. I've never actually seen money change hands in Moe's. I mean, I've seen a lot of shady back businesses like uh, smuggling Shamu and, um, you know, Russian roulette, but I've never actually seen legal tender being exchanged in Moe's. That's a very good point. I think I might actually have to watch a few episodes now and see if I can pinpoint if anybody's ever paid for anything, because I know there was a joke in... Um, 22 short films where um, they sent off to NASA to calculate Barney's bar tab, but all I got is 2,000 bucks. That That's probably the only time I can remember. Yeah, and it doesn't stay in his register long. Snakes away. Goodbye, student loan payments. Ha ha. We're back at the school bar. Um, he's run into every single niche. Not a popular sport, but it's all getting filled up. Apart from one. And um, Chalmers, I think he's only in this whole episode for, what, a total of 30 seconds? But I love both of his lines of delivery. <laughs> There's only one class left, but it happens to be the coolest one of all. Ballet? Dancing is for girls. Well, you should have gotten here earlier. In both scenes, you know, oh, it's the best, most popular sport in school, and it's real to be ballet. But Bob doesn't want to do it because, um, you know, dancing's for girls. And Smithers is one of my best lines in this episode as well. Well, you should have gotten here earlier. Like the absolute sass of this man. It's fun to see Skinner sort of get this little victory, this little smug win here. I did laugh at this. I feel kind of sorry for him. So whenever he kind of gets a little bit of a, a little bit of a funny time, I feel like I kind of have to laugh because it's like, oh, he's trying. Bless him. I was looking to actually get borrow a loan formally from the bank, you know, go through legal means. But um, unfortunately, his credit rating isn't good, according to the advisor. You know, just a load of bouncing checks and back credit. And once, you know, he pushed the dog around <laughs> like a hoover with its back legs. But that was in the third grade. Yep, yeah, well, it all goes on your permanent records. What do we call it? Permanent folder, permanent record, suppose the same. That was bollocks in the end. Yeah. I've... That was never going to follow us. Yeah. I'd like to see them try, like catch up with me on some of the stuff I did as a kid. I'm glad I nicked all that fruit in year two. Like, fuck them. Homer is in absolute dregs. He's going to his last resort. Big Hail Mary here for money. And he gets it. He gets his loan, folks. But of all people, it's Patty and Selma. Of course he's made a He's made a deal with the figurative devils here. And we go to an act break with them saying, oh, we'll take care of you. Yes, care. We've got the iconic laughs starting here. Homer looks a little confused, but then, you know, he appreciates good chuckle, so he starts laughing and laughing, and he gets into massive belly laughs. And I'll say hats off to Dan Kessel and here, uh, voice of Homer, of course. The performance he puts in, I swear you can hear the room he's been recording. He's given it his all, and I really appreciate what he did for this. We'll take care of you. Yes, care. <laughs> 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 Cut him a check and get him the hell out of here. Yeah, definitely. Like, it was a little bit of a touch where it's kind of like. I don't know, that's one of those scenes where I kind of, I'll still kind of be chuckling about it after the scene's done, just because there's something entertaining about it. We're into Act 2, folks. Homer is chuffed, you know. Um, he's so happy with the family, you know. Someone get a photo of him with this gorgeous steak here. I have solved a little problem today, Lisa, here. So much so that I'm going to slant my chair in succession. But he can't slant and enjoy that for too long for Patty and Selma uh, invite themselves unsolicited to the Simpsons household. Saying, you know, oh, we just fancy visiting our blubber-in-law. Now go get us some chairs, fat boy. This is another bit of sass from Homer here. Saying, you know, 
Oh, I need to fertilize the lawn. A couple of 500 pound bags should do this. Careful, their necks are brittle. Oh, but don't you worry. Don't you worry, Elsa, because the only thing brittle here is Homer. And the look of fear on his face here. And um, this is where we get into sort of um, desperate Homer. And I don't really know if Homer's standard character is desperate, but I like seeing him struggle and get sweaty in this episode. Just the look in his face. You know, Silverman again did another... Great job of showing the desperation and the, oh, no, um, panic on his face here. Yeah, definitely. It really put a spin on the whole, on such a dark storyline, like, essentially. He really kind of put the funny side into it. I guess I'll bring up now, like, um, it's at a better point in this episode. Um, this is a very real subject of financial problems, and of course, um, not so much in a lot later episodes, but that was very a very real theme in the seasons two, three, maybe even four. Yeah. Was, um, yeah. The Simpsons are this very working class family living, you know, paycheck to paycheck, and it's good to see them come back to a story about um, money problems here. Because I'm not going to put my business in the street, but like um, we've had family members in my family dealing with amounts of debt. Thankfully, they were able to get out of this, but um. I mean, does this resonate with you at yeah, any point, Ellis? Everybody has money problems at least one point. And for me, like, I see those adverts where they're like, oh, yeah, no, we don't talk about money problems. We don't. It's kind of like a very taboo subject, but I think it was handled really, really well in this episode. I think it kind of showed that you, sh you know, that there's no actual harm in asking for help. Yes, and I will say, folks, um, I will be linking up some um, financial charities here because I watched um, one of my favourite YouTubers now, Blue Van Man. He was able to get out of debt, so I will link some uh, financial charities here for this episode as well, folks. Homer's, you know, having to awkwardly deal and skirt around this situation, and I'm going to use this screenshot for uh, one of the many promotions before this episode comes out, folks. But this is my favourite um, steal shot from this episode. It's Homer, Patty and Selma sat in the living room and Marge is about to make him the best coffee in the house and it's Homer's pained forced smile. I don't know if you remember this Ellis. Yeah. It's just like I must keep this veneer at all times put on this happy face. I think we've all had those situations before where we've had to put on that smile. I've definitely had to do this particularly with working in a particular clothing store and having to explain Okay, we don't have it online, and we don't have it within this store. Oh, no, we must have, because my husband, he showed it to me on his phone. No, I will turn the screen around. Look, it's physical evidence here. Pamela. We've all had those moments. I was always known as the peacekeeper in one of my last jobs, because we'd get people coming in raging that they couldn't get the product that they saw online, and then, you know, good old, good old Ellie Bragg comes along, and it's kind of like, Oh, no, don't worry about it, you know, we'll... You know, we, we could do this instead, and you know, customer leaves happy, and I'm just kind of like, this is why I smoke. Homer's trying to stick for himself, saying, "Come on, you've had your fun, you evil witches, now get out of here." But they have a physical reminder, a physical reminder, an actual IOU note, and they own him like Siegfried owns Roy. By the way, folks, if you're that a uh, horrible plug here, but if you like Siegfried and Roy. Well, parodies of that, please check out um, Elsa's previous review, which was about Springfield, the gambling one. There's a great bit with um, the tiger just mauling their faces off, so I'll use this as a dirty, cheap plug here, folks. Go, please check that episode out now. But Marge comes back with a coffee here. Tony uh, Nescafe. I'm really sorry. Like, this is really sweet. This is, um, this is trusty, typical Marge, you know. What's the best coffee in the house? It's a branded, quote, French coffee or French Canadian coffee, but I'm really sorry that we've got Nescafe. That's really sweet. Like I don't know about you, Alice, but I remember the treat in my house from my mum was, "Oh, you've been a very good boy. You're gonna have the best ice cream in the world." Vienna. Oh yeah. There's not even an argument about that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No. Because I remember as a child as well, like Magnums were like the unspeakable ice cream that you couldn't ask for if you went to the shop. Or went to the ice cream van because they were like three quid each and why get a three quid ice cream when you can get a 99p whippy? Patty and Selma start twisting the knife here uh, against Homer's will saying oh you're just about to see it Marge Homer's gonna give us a foot massage and he begrudgingly 
I'm giving him a foot massage. How do we do to folks? Do you enjoy Simpsons podcast as much as this one you're listening to right here? Then go check out our friends at the 411 Folks Simpsons podcast. They review The Simpsons uh, chronologically, seasons one, two, God knows whatever season they're on now, um, with jokes, japes, accents, and a whole load of fun as well. So that's the 411 Folks at Facebook. Also, if you haven't checked our podcast out, go to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast, a British Simpsons podcast, and the same on our SoundCloud as well, Uncle Mo's Family Feedback. Now back to your regularly scheduled listening. And we have Bart. We are back at Springfield Elementary. Bart's going to the ballet lesson, and, you know, he's a bit nervous, but he's having to go through with it. And this is where we get our special guest, folks. We have awards-winning actress Meryl Streep. I did wonder if it was Meryl Streep because I couldn't be bothered to look it up and I, I, I knew it was a special guest of some kind but I just couldn't remember who it was. I'm glad you um, mentioned it because now I don't have to go look it up afterwards. Genuinely her. It always surprised me because it's not Meryl Streep as an actor or using her normal voice. She's performing a character and, you know, it's not a memorable um, character, this ballet teacher, but, you know, she puts her effort into it and oh, yeah, definitely. enjoyed it. She's busy selling to Bart, you know, ballets for the fierce, the determined, not the sissies here, you know. Great men of theatre and industry have trotted the boards. Put on this tutu. Barishnikov, yes. Now put on this tutu, because you will be a fairy. Now, Ellis, important question here, fairy or queen? Definitely queen. I mean, you have to, don't you? Yeah, I am a queen, so... Would you be fairy or queen? You know what, I'd have to pretty much agree with you here, queen. Because at least with that, you've got a bit of um, royalty and power here. And maybe if I was a lot younger, I'd think, oh, I can't be a queen because, you know, that's a girl's role. But I feel in 2019, you know... You can the... embrace the role of being a queen. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of RuPaul's now. I see all the queens on there. I will say I can't be a fiercer queen as, you know, a Coco Montrese or an Alyssa Edwards. But, you know... God help me, I would try. I'd be a nice, subtle queen. Throughout this, um, Bart's, he's in tights and he's doing the old um, ballet dip. I don't really know what that technical term is, but he's saying, I don't like this lady. Oh, that is a plie. Oh, right. So it's just a little dip in. Were you involved in ballet or dance before then, Ellis? Because you're spitting facts at me here. No, I. Um, the only reason I kind of see it in that kind of light is because... Um, I've done like dance machine competitions and stuff like that before and um, a few people, well a lot of people tend to hold on to the back bar on a dance machine to give them that little bit of extra support and balance. I mean... Oh like the dance dance rev machine? Yeah, yeah oh but um, I don't use it so I don't know. But oh, you're too pro clearly. No I just, I just wobble about everywhere. But um, that's primarily why those bars are there, so I kind of assume that it's the same kind of situation. Who would have thought, you know, Dance Dance Revolution and ballet would have an ever-loving link? You know, I really want to see Dance of the Sugar Pom Fairies to Renegade Master now. You put that in my head now, Alice. <laughs> Bart's trying to escape his tights here, and, you know, whenever Silverman's on animation, you get some great stuff here, and him just trying to escape and wriggle out this... T- uh, pair of tights whilst um, jumping and essentially getting into the ballet, learning how to pivot and twist and twirl his toes here. And he loves it. He's actually breaking into it now and he's um, getting into the buzz now. Now, I'll say from a big, massive diatribe and big connection of Bart's love of ballet and the wrestling, the professional wrestling business for Skinner's scene, but I will say there's a lot of parallels here, Ellis. So I won't bore people too much, but I'll wait till my big skin is seen. No, I do, I do agree with you. There's, um, I have seen that quite a lot of um, wrestlers and stuff like that, they, they, they're often encouraged to um, take up stuff like ballet because it gets them into movement. I'm looking at it more as a, as a bit of realisation of a young wrestler, translate, a young Bart, ends up not liking it but then they get into the culture and the actual rhythm of it and they love the industry and it's not going to break them down and be hobbled at like age 40 but i'll get on to that with the skinner scene coming up but we're back with patty and selma and homer homer's just um they're draining the life out of him you know they're taking his manhood they're taking his will here and he's just trying to trudge through the living room and he asks for permission and 
you know, Patty and Selma, they've got to stick it to them again. Permission pending. Light our cigarettes. But you already smoke it. And just quickly, straight away, they've got him under a knife here, Alice. He lights the cigarettes. And good on Homer. He sees an opportunity here. He tries to sneakily burn the IOU um, note there. But they catch him. And because of that, he's got to crawl on the floor like the dog he is. And like as much as... I mean, I cringe at it now because... Obviously not knowing how important pride is to a lot of adults now. As a kid, I thought, oh, this is funny because they're forcing him to be like a dog. But, I mean, you take the scene into what it really is. This grown man with children, the main provider of his family, is having to literally beg like a dog in front of his um, sisters-in-laws. It's like some weird, um, almost fetish, fetishist-like dynamic here. It made, it made me low-key cringe a bit here, Ellis. Yeah, it's kind of... It, it made me feel a little bit uncomfortable, I'm not going to lie. There was a little bit of, um... Oh, am I really am I really watching this? I did find it low-key cringe, but thankfully most of it melted away when Homer actually committed to uh, the dog voice. Now say, I am Homer Simpson, the lowly dog. <laughs> In a dog voice. I am Romer Rupert. Well, good. Jump, Homer. Jump. What's going on in here? Oh, Rhyme Roma Rimpton. I thought it was quite cute as well. If you take out take out the humiliating semi cuckoldedness of it all, it's quite cute the actual voice. Yeah, like it is. It's the fact that it kind of, it reminds me so much of Scooby Doo that it just kind of it makes me feel like oh bless him. But Marge walks in on this weird performance here. You know, oh, there's absolutely nothing, Marge. I'll pop in a clip here as well. Um, but they dramatically, Patty just sort of throws it into the air, the IOU note, and then, like in some sexy 80s thriller, the note's revealed, you know, it was the killer, he was the killer. Homer does owe money to Patty and Selma. I love this projection here, and I love the shading of the red as well. Not only is it, it's not, you know, typical C3 projection, it's red, it's negative, like you're in the red. This is my shitty media studies college um, course coming out of me now. Yeah, I mean, I kind of saw red a little bit like when that happened. I'm not going to lie, that scene always makes me a little bit angry because it's always like, I don't know, like, we're both in separate relationships. I couldn't imagine ever treating my in-laws the way that Patty and Selma treat Homer. So for me, it's just kind of like, you bitch. Marge, um, you know, going about it the long way, but, you know, is this projection accurate and... You know, it is. Homer very sheepishly says, I can't be responsible for all my wheelings and dealings, but that's where the whole cat's out the bag now, folks. Patty and Selma said, oh, you spent all your savings on jack-o'-lanterns, and Homer's very childish, you told, and just yeets them out the house for these trendy TikTok kids. I just Give love the fact yeet. that he accidentally yeets Marge out as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like, first you see Selma... And then it's Marge, oh, oh, no, sorry, Marge, huh. and then quickly, and then a, f a great follow-up, I don't want to see you again, you either. Like, not even just generally the collective yeah. first, it's like, I have to give the business to Patty. Oh, wait, yeah, Selma as well, yeah, you're getting something too. Marge is so confused, you know, how could you have done this without telling me, but Homer's too shamed and crestfallen. Um, slightly dickish move, he says... I understand if you want to sleep on the couch tonight, Marge. Yeah, I feel that's kind of like, <laughs> that's so sad, because it's like, no, you should be sleeping on the couch, Homer. We're now into the final act, folks, the big third act here, and um, seems like a normal breakfast there. You know, the kids are downstairs with their breakfast. They're saying, oh, how's Dad? Um, he's seen better. <laughs> Frankly, he's under the table. <laughs> well, it's just as serious and as horrible as a real-life issue as this is, I'm glad they injected some silliness in between this, whether it's the dog impression, whether it's him um, under the table. Homer's under the table, still feeling ashamed for himself. A decent man doesn't deserve breakfast. Ah, but I like making you breakfast. All right, fine, I'll have um, pancakes, bacon, and um, double butter, but no powdered sugar. I don't deserve maybe powdered, powdered sugar. sugar. Maybe a little, maybe a little bit of powdered sugar. Have you ever um, had sort of a guilty meal? Have you ever had a shit day, uh, Ellis, and thought like, all right, you know, I want a big double cheeseburger, fries, and then loaded mac and cheese. But no fried jalapenos. I have regular, I have before actually ordered a Big Mac as well as a share box of chicken nuggets. 
and light fries with both of them. So, yeah. Mm, We're now back um, with Bart, and he's loving ballet. He's learning new routines. He's refining his skills here. Um, I love his little headband here. For the, all those NFL fans, he's very Baker Mayfield. He's feeling a little dangerous about this ballet, and I appreciate that. So, um, Meryl Street Ballet teacher tells him that, Bravissimo, you're doing so well. You will play the male lead. But he's still a bit freaked out by her saying, Oh, you're, why are you so overly passionate in that? You know, oh, I have faith in you, you know. Oh, are you worried about all the kids laughing at you? Oh, no, the girls will laugh at me. The boys will kick the shit into me. And I will say, is I don't want to make it woe is me, but um, I've definitely felt like that at least a couple times during my second yeah. school days here. I mean, hell, you're part of the cosplay community. I'm sure it wasn't all um, positive support, Ellis, much like me with my Quidditch and wrestling fandom. You would be very surprised at what the cosplay community can be like. Um, I'm no longer friends with a few people, but they'd sometimes stand there. Oh, so it's not there. just external, it's the inside as well. Yeah, I'd sometimes stand oh, wow. there and my friends would be like, oh, look at that wig. Oh, that wig's so cheap. Oh, that's disgusting. And this is kind of like, oh, they're having fun, leave them alone. But we'll cut back to the house here and Homer's, he's out of his slump partially, you know, he's uh, in the want ads, he's doing good, he's circling for jobs here and Lisa's having to inform him, um, what kind of newspaper is this, Ellis? It's a fake newspaper where Bart was crowned as something to do with sex. He's the world's greatest sex machine. That was it. See, I think that that little joke there is a little bit... Mm, like, I don't know how to feel about it because it's quite um, a ten-year-old being a sex machine. Oh, right, I can understand where you come from, but I think of it more as, like... Um... I mean, I've been like that when I was 10 to 12, like, um, oh yeah, I'm good looking in that, or like, you go to Skegness and buy like those, I don't know, inflatable willies or these um, joke gags and all that. So I can definitely see Bart being like, lewdly impressed by this uh, NE name here, World Greatest Sex Machine paper. Yeah, it's just a bit odd to me. But I've got to admit, this upcoming scene was probably my favourite out of the entire episode, the bit with the commercial. Really? The bit where, ah, oh, I'm so glad you turned on the TV, Lisa. I didn't. Well, go and turn it off. It is off. Cue spooky music. Yeah, there was just something about that that really tickled me. Now, all uh, uh, right, I guess this is the only time we're going to be at... Um log ahead so to speak because for me I thought it was alright for me it was more like uh, they've got to get him out of this and into the next scene so here's this ad but I will say um, as convenient as the ad is I like the little I like how they end the joke I like how they get out of it I'm not yeah. too happy of how they resolved it but I suppose the punchline sort of made up for it as convenient as it was. We're now back at Springfield Elementary. It's the big performance now, folks, and um, we have Bart looking out into the crowd. Oh, there's a lot of people in here. Oh, yeah, we've got the whole school here. We've even got some troublemakers from uh, out of town here. Now, this is where I'm going to go off, folks. This is, oh, Tyler, uh, boring wrestling stuff again. But this parallel, if Bart isn't an upcoming new main event star and the World Wrestling Federation, and if Principal Seymour Skinner is not Vince McMahon forcing this young talent to wreck his body in order to get over, pal. Oh, you gotta do it in front of all the niche audiences. Yeah. Yeah. Then I don't know what's I don't know what's wrong, Ellis. Don't yeah, no. Anything. Now that you've made that link, I see it. I do see it. See Bart sweating, you know, putting his body through the line here day after day in ballet class and he's going to get his big shot here and let's and you know ballet maybe that's not the gimmick he wants but you know damn it son you've got to make it work you want to get in this main event then put on this put on the goddamn suit you are a sugar plum fairy performance goes well you know Bart's still being a bit ashamed he'll go uh he'll go under a mask the kids actually really love this performance you know that mask ballet dancer it's something else homer's with classy joes he's driving a limo and this is where we get our second special guest of the episode folks we've got um tv comedy legend film comedy legend mel brooks 
Now, I will say, compared to Streep's performance here, this is a, you can argue that it's an egregious um, guess because it's just Mel Brooks being Mel Brooks for the sake of it. But, um, I mean, I didn't mind it. He didn't do that much of a performance, but um, having him just be like, oh, Homer's a massive fan. I just I just want to sit and relax, please. Uh, you know, I appreciate that. What do you know about uh, Mr. Mel Brooks, Ellis? Um, I've got Wikipedia open at the moment, actually. <laughs> um, I knew he was in film, but um, he's one of those people that I know who he is, but, like... I don't feel like I've seen anything that he's in. Well, he was a massive comedy film writer and producer from the 60s to the mid-80s. There we go, right, I've got his filmography. Saddles, Spaceballs. He was in Spaceballs. I did see Spaceballs. Hey, let's do that 2,000 pound man thing. I'll be that Carl Reiner guy and you'll be what's his face. <laughs> Homer, it's not that easy. It takes the genius of Carl Reiner and the rhythm and timing that only he and I... Sir, are. today every country has a national anthem. Did they have national anthems 2,000 years ago? Sure, sure we had. Of course, we was caves. But every cave had a national anthem. I'll never forget the, my cave's national anthem. What was that national anthem? Let him all go to hell except Cave 76. Watch with the siren. Watch with the siren. But he gets pulled over with um, Police Chief Wiggum. He needs to see his license. But Homer, quick enough. Ah, oh, quick. Mel, buckle your brush belt. And he tries to get away in park. Just his little, little face there. It's perfect. Wiggum's trying to let him off easy. You know, I'll go to the DMV. These dames will sort you out. And uh, and Homer just starts screaming like he's seen the devils himself. This creeps out Mel Brooks. So he just lets him out. Wiggum, you know, he wants to do the 2,000 pound man routine. He wants to be, he wants him to do Carl Reiner and he'll be police chief Wiggum. Yeah, as you know, no. I'm Mel, you know, I want to switch off a bit. I would be Chief Police Wiggum. I hate Carl Reiner. Now, this couldn't be further from the truth, folks, because, and I'll end this on a little sweet note for Mel Brooks, because he's still alive. I think he's in his 90s now. We still Yeah, he's kicking still kicking. Hollywood. Um, now, when his beloved wife, Anne Bancroft, passed away, she was in a load of serious drama films, Pete's in the 80s and that. When she passed away... He's just been hanging out with Carl Reiner, Carl Reiner, who helped him produce loads of stuff, his own films and write for theatre and that. And do you know what they do every Thursday now, Ellis? They go round to Mel's mansion and they order a load of Chinese and deli food and they sit and watch their old films and they just laugh and have a good time. Oh, that's really sweet. That's the kind of friendship I want. But we're back with uh, Bart and he finishes his performance there. You know, the crowd love it. And he realised, this is great. I shouldn't feel ashamed. I'm going to demask. It was me, Bart, all along. Um, and he gets a bit of initial stick. And he's like, you know what? If I love this and I did something new and I get to challenge myself every day by doing it, then I guess I'm a sissy. Now, in typical sitcoms, this is the rousing, hooting and hollering. Well done. Oh, no, this is cruel. This is the Simpsons. The bullies are going to go get him. Yeah. So, um, Bart... He runs out of the school. He's got a head of the bullies there. And, oh, like very, 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 very last reference here, folks, to do with any sort of wrestling. He's got his own um, leap of faith like one Shane O'Mac. So he's got his own teacher in his head saying, leap like you've never let before. And he goes for it. And he doesn't clear it. And he comes crashing down. But thankfully, the bullies realise that he's hurt enough. We don't need to hurt him anymore. Uh, so they just they poke him with a stick and fuck off so Lisa comes in saying oh well done Bart even though you face you know adversity and all those bullies you were true to yourself and I'm proud of you and as much as this um, B-plot is so-so it's a very fitting end of him saying look please help me I need medical attention so Homer's having to get his chauffeur's license and again he has to deal with Patty and Selma and he's just sick of it now. Stupid Patty, stupid Selma, at the stupid DMV. I'm being, <laughs> I'm being teased, Marge. Like Moses, no, tested. Now, um, as far as sarcasm goes in The Simpsons, this isn't, um, this isn't Gumtrop House on Lollipop Lane levels of sarcasm. 
But oh, it's close, Alice. This is another belter of a little uh, little mini scene here. Yeah, this this mini scene where he's doing the test actually made me angry again. Just the sarcasm would... I don't have the patience for that level of sarcasm. Please tell us, Alice, um, what happens with Patty and Selma? What's he going to do with Patty and Selma? He'll get along. I mean, he takes his little driving test. But um, they're, they're literally marking him down for everything. Like, oh, you didn't adjust your mirror. Oh, your seatbelt's twisted. Oh, this. Oh, that. And you can see Homer starting to get more and more riled up. Just like, oh, you're being a jerk. Minus a thousand points. And it's like, that's the best he could come up with out of anything. I think my favourite part is in that DMV part is in the queue. His sarcasm just saying, Oh, I'll get along fine. Oh, okay, Marge. I'll get along with them. Then I will hug some snakes. Yes, I will hug and kiss some poisonous snakes. Now that's sarcasm. So Homer gets to fail another one of life's little tests here through Petty, Patty, and Selma. And um, they have a celebratory Siggy, and their lime manager comes along. And they're sort of, ooh, are they in the shit here? Because, you know, smoking can cost these... um new upstarts there, a new promotion, so they're sort of sweating bullets, they're trying to find excuses, Homer's finally reveling in it, he's going to get something over on him, it could mean potential sacking, but he sees Marge, he sees what he's put her through, and he realises this is the only thing that's going to make him right, this is the only thing that's going to give Marge some sort of um, acceptance of him, so he grabs both of the SIGs, and the line manager's horrified. Wait a minute, sir. These are yours. I am yes. in flavor country. Now, Ellis, as a smoker, have you ever been in flavor country? I mean, I've had fruity cigarettes before. I got given a purple one once. You're not one to load up two or three in your hand? Oh, no. I, I smoke very, very low nicotine cigarettes. So anything too much for me is like... That's... I'm smelling colours. So this um, grand act of kindness here the salvation helps save patty and selma help them keep their jobs and homer gets a right um left hand because of it you know he's worse than hitler folks according to that line manager and patty and selma are stunned they can't believe this um they've been saved and uh homer admits that you know he'd do absolutely anything for marge and i will say i'm happy with this because homer's not been uh completely you know, horrible in this episode. This does redeem him, not like in the future where he's going to do a lot worse things, folks, and his actions aren't redeemable. So this is redeemable. This fits. I'm very happy with Homer here, Ellis. It feels like Marge kind of had a little bit of a bragging right afterwards, though, with like, see, I told you he's like this. See, I told you. It's like, I feel like Marge kind of finally got her one up on her sisters as well, even though she probably didn't mean to. Yeah, well, she doesn't really get to show Homer in a shining light, so I suppose when she does see the opportunity, by God, she's going to take it, and good for her. You know, there's not a lot of victories, so she'll take this one. Patty and Selma say, oh, you know, how can we ever repay you? And, I mean, this episode's well-paced, um, folks, but I think this is even a joke of, like, we need to wrap this up now, so pull off the debt. Uh, well, you know, let's say we can help you pass your... Uh, license call off the debt uh yep that's fine let's go <laughs> get out of here yeah i feel like they kind of were possibly pushing on the time limit on that one then and again we talk about faces throughout the episode it's just like the inevitable uh we're not we're gonna have to accept this aren't we yeah there was the look of defeat yeah the car going patting some like oh well we've just had we've had to fuck ourselves over here and that's how the episode ends folks um Overall, I really enjoyed this. As much as um, I got to talk my massive fantasy of parallels with the B plot here, the plot, uh, the A plot was solid. Um, a lot of good jokes visually and um, through the writing. The animation was crisp. It was fantastic. Um, and we'll get onto the ratings in a minute. Ellis, how was this for you? Yeah, it was. It's definitely not one of my favourites unfortunately it w but i enjoyed the challenge of being able to talk about it because i think the more that we talked about it the more in depth we got i think the more i came to actually appreciate the little quirks of the episode so we're going to do our ratings now folks um typically i do out of five but 
you may do it again how you please Ellis for me oh it's very close so because it's very close to um, a great grand perfect episode I'm gonna give this a four and a half out of five oh I need to think of a parallel here a four and a half out of five um, sugar plum fairies see I think unfortunately I'm gonna have to go for a three out of five acres of golden country flavor country sorry golden country works as well but yeah I just I think it'll still go down as one of those episodes that I'll probably forget about again in a week's time but dissecting it made me appreciate it but just not appreciate it enough to give it a four. Oh, as a PPS before we go into uh, the plugs here Ellis, a very important question uh, Pat and Selma are they Amberleaf smokers? A wee bit of dram? What do you think they smoke? Their packets look very very similar to Marlboro Reds which kind of makes it even more disgusting that they'd smoke the, the idea of Homer smoking two at once because the nicotine content in Marlboro Reds is high. Alright, well, um, that's that, folks. Um, Ellis, please plug away. Where can people find you? Um, where can people support you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter under EllieBear underscore. At the moment, I'm trying to get a little bit more of a professional presence online because of the fact that I'm going to uni and the contacts that I'm going to be making. I can't afford to be the jerk that I was on the internet anymore can find me on Facebook on Vacant Throne Cosplays I haven't been as active lately purely based on the fact that I don't really have any kind of a, any conventions coming up and I don't particularly have the um, the funds available to be able to make anything new um, can support me on Coffee. I believe my username is Ellie Bear okay as always let's have a little tug on that random episode generator and see what pops up for next week. Okay folks, get ready for your finger thing, because the finger thing means the taxes, as we review Season 6's The PTA Disbands. And with that we will see you next week folks, take care now. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun, it's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good.